you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Well, today we're going to continue on a series uh, called or entitled, I Wish Jesus Didn't Say That. An inter- a very interesting uh, series. Uh, and I'm going to try to make you feel or realize that, yes, I wish Jesus didn't really say that. And in preparation for this message, I actually had to do a research uh, yesterday. I went out to watch a movie. It's a, really a documentary. It's a, a nine-part documentary. It's on the 7th right now. And it's a, the documentary begins in the beginning. It's really about two persons who comes out of two different sides of society. One is a law enforcer, and another one comes from a, a criminal world. you know their name? The law enforcer, his name is Brian O'Connor, and the one from the criminal world is Dom Toledo. Yeah, I, w- I went to watch uh, Furious 7 yesterday. But really, and towards the end, I felt so sad because now the two parts that uh, will come out in the future will not have Paul Walker in it. Just to advertise, there's two more parts that's coming out. But anyway... The theme of that movie really, which, which is really very touching from the very beginning from part one, is really about how they met, these two characters met, and that relationship that really began from opposite sides of society became a relationship that was even stronger than being brothers. But it really, as you've probably seen the movie, if you've uh, followed, the, if you followed this, the, the documentary, uh, Dom... T- uh, uh, Dom Toledo would always say, I don't have friends, I have families. That's what he always says. He considered those group really a family. And as you have seen, if you, how many of you have watched it, by the way? Watch at least one of the Fast and the Furious, no? Okay. Well, I guess you know where I'm coming from, right? You've always hear him say that, I don't have friends, I have family. Because today, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about family. And as, as, as I watched it, you can almost associate how the church is. We come from different backgrounds, different societies, also different races. But yet, we have one common thing, which is Christ. And we become family. And we share family life. Isn't it not? We come here not because uh, one, of the, or one of the reasons why we come here on Sunday is really for the fellowship. In fact, we were born, or this church, Life in the Sun, was really born out of that. To have fellowship, to really just hang out. We used to have a home group that would last throughout the night. And that's fellowship, that's family. And God, I believe, is really big with family. I mean, he, he has a command where it says, honor your father and mother. Isn't it not? He has, uh, in, in Ephesians, Paul tells the husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And how did, love, uh, how did Christ love the church? He loved him. He spread out his hand and he died for the church. And, and so Paul says to the husband, love your wives the same way as Christ loved the church. Give yourself up for your wives. And then to the wives, Paul also tells, and you wives, you should submit to your husband as you are submitting to the Lord. There's even a scripture in Timothy where it says, you as believers should provide for our immediate family. If you don't, you are worse than an unbeliever. See, so a lot of these passages really speaks of family. One big one, one that really speaks volume is the story of Joseph. If you're familiar with the story of Joseph, Joseph was sold by his own brothers, went to Egypt, but with all the turn of events that happened in his life, he ended up in the Paris 
house. He became the prime minister, the administrator, the second most powerful man of Egypt. Then again, towards the, towards the story of uh, Joseph, when his brothers finally realized that it was Joseph, and towards the end of his, the death of his father Jacob, his brother was uh, coming to him and really trying to plead with him because they feared that now that their father is dead, Joseph might also kill them. But Joseph said, no, what you meant for evil, God had turned it for good. So that this very day, people would be saved. And, and who was saved? The family. Jacob's family was saved. And that family became the building block of the nation of Israel. So from one family came out what? A whole nation. So would you agree with me that God is into family? Amen? Amen? That God values family. Amen? Okay, now you would really say, I wish Jesus didn't say that. Now let's look at our text. Our text is coming from Luke chapter 14, verse 25. If you just read along with me, it says, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, Yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost you see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king, won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for a terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you have, cannot be my disciples. Let's just pray. I think we need prayer. Father, towards the, end, towards the end of this passage, Jesus said these last words, He who has ear, let him hear. An indication that this passage is not one that can be easily or immediately understood or comprehended. So Father, I ask that give us an ear to hear. Give us an ear to hear beyond the words, of my, uh, the words that I speak. Give us an ear to hear just beyond the illustration. But give us an ear to hear the Holy Spirit. As, they, as the Holy Spirit speaks to us and really just tug in our hearts and just to see what it is that you really meant in this passage. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> now, how many of you can say, I wish Jesus didn't say that? After going through all that family stuff, Armin, now you're telling me that I have to hate them? What does Jesus really mean? Two weeks ago, Pastor Mark started this series where it says, you're not supposed to hate your enemy. You here two weeks ago? You're not supposed to hate your enemy. Instead, you're supposed to what? You're supposed to pray for them. It says, love your neighbors as yourself. It says, bless them, don't curse them. Then all of a sudden, Jesus turns around and say, I didn't give you, I mean, from that point, he said, I didn't give you a luxury to hate your enemy. But now the closest ones of, of the members of our family are telling us to hate. What did he really mean? And Why? I think I like the part also why. Why did he say it? So I believe the key element or the key, 
For us to understand this is really in the term, the, in the term hate. What was he really saying when he said, hate your family? So can you pull up Romans chapter 9 verse 13? Romans chapter 9 verse 13. This is really coming from Malachi 1. It says that just as it is written, Jacob I love, but Esau I hated. I believe that God has no capacity to hate. Because it would be uncharacteristics of him. In John, it says that God is love. And God is, a, and God is a just God. There is justice in God, but I don't believe that he can hate. So what was he saying? This is coming from God himself. When he said, Jacob I love, but Esau I hated. Because when we find out what he was saying here, we can also find out what he's saying in Luke. Well, Jacob was really the secondborn. Esau was the firstborn. If you remember the story, Esau sold his birthright to his brother Jacob. So now, looking at them, Jacob now has the the right of the firstborn and all the blessings of the firstborn. And the story when they met, if you're familiar with the story, Jacob was offering up to Esau all uh, all this wealth just to appease Esau on what he did. But yet Esau turns around and says, I don't need them. I am blessed myself. I have so much myself. So how can we say that God hated Esau when we see that Esau's life also was so blessed? It was also the same thing. It was touched by God. So could it be that what, uh, what uh, was being said here is not really what we might think of? Because in our mind, probably what, when, we, when we hear the word hate, the first thing that would come to mind is despise, vicious detestment, or it could be that, oh, to wish harm on another person. Would God really wish harm on Esau? Obviously, on this verse, no. Another parallel verse that we can look at is Matthew chapter 10. And I think this really drives it home. It says, this is a parallel verse of what we just read in Luke. It says, anyone who loves their father... And mother, more than me, is not worthy of me. In what we read in Luke, it was the other way around. It says, if you come to me and you do not hate your father and mother, you cannot be my disciple. In Matthew, it says, anyone who loves their father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. So the word hate is not really to wish harm on another, as used in this text, or to despise another or to detest but it's really the Greek word miseo. And miseo really means, pop that up please, there you go. So Greek word per hate is the word miseo, which really means to love less than. So if you go back to the text, what Jesus was saying, if you're going to come to me, then you have to miseo your father, meaning you got to love. Yes, you still love your father and your mother, but that love that you have for them has to be less done, the love that you have for me. Amen? Amen. So it's not an easy way out, really. You would think, if I was, uh, if before, (laughs) probably I shouldn't say this, but anyway, let me say it. When I got saved, I didn't really have a good relationship with my parents. If I heard that, oh, Jesus, that's so easy. Because, oh, that's, 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 not, that's not hard for me. Because I didn't have a good relationship with my parents. It's like, oh, you hate, hate your parents? Oh, okay. But now, what Jesus is really saying makes it harder. Yes, you love your parents. Yes, you love your family. 
yes, you provide for your family, you honor them, but you have to love me more. And that really is difficult, church. I can, I, we can even ask hands right now, and you probably know it is a difficult thing to say. It is a difficult passage to follow. So that's what Jesus was really saying. When it comes to a decision-making, when it comes to things, a situation, when your parents, hello? Hello? When your parents, your father and your mother, especially your parents, it's a joke. <laughs> your siblings, okay? When a decision has to be made and, and, and you're in between, this is what Jesus was really saying. You have to miseo your family. You have to love them less or the other way around. You need to love me greater. So that is really the key to understanding this passage. Is that what Jesus was saying is that when it comes to family or the lordship of me, lordship takes precedence over family. Amen? Would you say amen? Amen. Okay, you said amen. But the way I think is, okay, now I know, but why? I always ask why. When I do a study, I always ask why. But Lord, why? Why, did, why is it that you demanded or, yes, you required us, you tell us to love them less or love you more? And I believe it has to do with the big plan of God in our life. Like what I said, there will come a time of decision makings when it's the plan of God for your life or your family. And I want to show you four stories that I believe that when Jesus was speaking this to the crowd, he was really thinking of this story, these four stories. That, that there's a passage in Corinthians where it says that, that things that happen in the Old Testament happen as examples. And they were also written for our admonition, for us to be able to learn from, for us to be able to avoid it. So we don't have to go through it as they did. So we can learn from it. So why do you think Jesus really said you got to misseo your family? Well, you have to look at it from the greater and the bigger picture. God has a plan for all of us. A big plan. In the book that we're reading, The Lifestyle of a Prophet, the writer writes this. God is more committed in fulfilling that plan that he has for your life than even you and I are. He has a, he, he's more committed as, as, he, as he did a calling in your life, as he had a plan for your life. He would do everything in his power to fulfill that plan. Amen? So let's start with one story. I want to show you four stories, and I believe you, uh, and I will show you how, because of the characters of the story, did not misseo their family, their family member. It caused a distraction. It caused them a deterrence from the plans of God. It caused them a detour. And it interfered with the plans of God. Because sometimes that's what family duties does to us. It gives a distraction to us. First story is Abraham. I don't have uh, the scriptures. Just uh, I'm a good storyteller, they say. <laughs> Abraham. Abraham. Coming out of uh, Genesis chapter 12. The call of Abraham was, Get out of your country from your father's household. Correct? And from your, uh, from your father's house. So get out of your country. Get out from your relatives. And go to the land that I will show you. Or that I would lead you to. And what is that land that God was uh, showing Abraham? It was Canaan. Basically now Israel. And the, and the description of the land. 
is it is a land flowing with milk and honey. Isn't that a great plan? If God calls you to say, get out of your place and go to this land, it is, this land is the bomb. This land is flowing with milk and honey. And the, and the call and the plan of God to Abraham was that get out of your household, get out of your father's household. But what did Abraham do? Abraham took along his father, Terah, and his nephew, Lot. Instead of going all the way to Cana, they stopped by a place called Haran or Haran. I don't really know how you pronounce it. I think it's Haran. Haran. Wow, that sounds so westernized. Haran. Haran. So from a place where God says, a place flowing with milk and honey, they went to a place called parched. Haran. Haran means parched land. Now, if I were, uh, I like to use my imagination. I really don't know who told who who took that detour. Was it Abraham himself or was his father? But it says that the Bible says that when his father Terah died, that's when he left that place, Haran. So I'm assuming that it was his father's idea to not to go all the way to Cana, but to stop by Haran. So because Abraham did not miseo his father. He was this detoured from the plans of God to go straight all the way down to the land flowing with milk and honey. And he also did not misseo his nephew Lot. Lot became a lot of trouble for Abraham. Abraham had to rescue Lot twice. So when Jesus was uh, telling this story, I can imagine Jesus had in his mind already, look, the things that was written or the things that, that happened in the past are already examples and they were written for, your, for you to learn. Here's what I'm thinking in my mind. This is what Jesus was talking about or he was already thinking. Abraham was detoured because he did not misay his father. He did not misay his nephew. So he was distracted. He was detoured. Another person that we can see an example of is David. David, of course, we know David as what? As a shepherd boy who became king, correct? When he was king, here's an interesting about, uh, when David was king, he had about, uh, I think, nine kids. His firstborn was named Amnon. Okay, the firstborn was Amnon. His secondborn was Daniel. His thirdborn was Absalom. Absalom did something so bad uh, raped his uh, sister, then pled. But here's what I want to show you. It says that when, when this happened, Absalom fled Jerusalem. He ran away from his father. And then it says that David cried when Absalom left. His firstborn was dead. The one that killed his firstborn, the thirdborn, fled. He was mourned over the death of his firstborn, Amnon, that quickly but he was still crying for his son Absalom, who fled Jerusalem. And it says that Absalom, Absalom was gone for three years. And it says that David cried every day for three years. Three years straight, he was crying for his son Absalom because he left. But yet for the firstborn that died, he got over it just like that. It tells you that there's a special relationship between David and his son Absalom. The scripture says that Absalom was, was one who had a 
such a great feature. He was handsome in form. He was a, a head above everybody else. So he was a, a beautiful man. We can say that. And it could be that's why David loved this, this uh, son of his so much. And because all of that happened, David didn't do anything. So the, third, so the story continues as, as, as he cried for three years. Then finally Absalom comes back to Jerusalem. And, uh, and then he finally gets to see his uh, father again, David. But then Absalom began to scheme something. He began to be at the gates all the time. And every time somebody would come to the gates with an affair, he would say, what's, what's the matter? What's going on? And so the, pers- the people would, would be coming to him. And he began to play a role of the judge. He said, oh, my father is too busy. Give it to me and I will judge that. He, came, he, he schemed it so much that it says that he won the heart of the nation. He won the heart of Israel. Now, remember, the right of the firstborn is the right to kingship. But that is now dead. Amnon is now dead. So, supposedly, it's supposed to go to the secondborn. But Absalom schemed it that he can become king. And what happened? Because David did not miseo his son Absalom. Absalom stole the kingdom from David. David actually had to flee David had to run out of his own city because his son Absalom took over. See? Because of one thing that he didn't do, he did not misay his son Absalom. Now his, his son is deterring the plans of God. Why? What do, what do I mean by the plans of God? Because the plans of God was that the next king to follow David was who? Solomon. Solomon was supposed to be the, second, the, the king that's to, fo- to follow David. Can you get the bigger picture, church? That in the plans of God, there's things in order. But because one word, miseo, it can deter, it can distract, it can take away time. But of course, towards the end of the story, Absalom was killed. And even more, David cried when Absalom was killed. And then, of course, Solomon came. So we've, so far, we've seen Abraham took his father, took his nephew, we see David, who did not misay his son Absalom. It distracted the plans of God. Now we look at Solomon. <laughs> Solomon. Okay, Solomon, his, uh, the name that was given to Solomon by, by God is really Jedidiah, which really means beloved by the Lord. And the Bible says that he was beloved by the Lord. That's why he was named Jedidiah. And at the same time, Solomon loved the Lord. Okay? And it was through Solomon that the plans that began from Abraham, I want you to see this, from the plans that, became to Ab- uh, the, the plans that began from Abraham, because God told Abraham, there will come a time that your descendant, Abraham, will be as numerous as the sands in the sea. In the times of Solomon, uh, recorded in Kings, it says that God has given me rest. There is neither adversary nor evil occurrence. That's what rest means. Neither adversary or evil occurrence. That's why you're at rest. So the, the multitudes or Israel and Judah was exactly in that state. They were as numerous as the sand of the seashore during the time of Solomon. It was a fulfillment of the, of the plans of God from Abraham and it came to Solomon. But Solomon also has his problem. You guys know what his problem is? Girls? Women. Bible says that Solomon loved foreign women. 
He had more than seven hundreds of them. He had wives. The command of God, here's the decision. The command of God is, do not intermarry with the foreign women. Why? The same thing where we're asking, why did God say, Miseo, your family? I mean, yes, we see the what, but what, what, but what about the why? Why do you think God say, Miseo, them? Well, well, it was spoken to Solomon. It says, do not intermarry with the foreign women. Why? Because they will basically steal your hearts and they will make you go to a foreign god. And that's exactly what happened to Solomon. Solomon started everything right. He began with loving the Lord. He was a man of wisdom given by God. But towards the end, it says that Solomon loved many women. So Solomon did not what? He did not miseo between his wives or the commands of the Lord. He had a hard time deciding, is it the lordship of God or this wife that I have that came from a foreign land? And that's what cost him. And you know what happened to the plans of God in Solomon's life? Came out the divided kingdom, which we read later on the kings. From a, from a kingdom of rest, where everybody was enjoying life. That's what it says. They were all, all of Israel, Judah and Israel were enjoying life. They were rest in the land. And because of one of one thing that uh, Solomon did not do, it caused them to divide the kingdom. And church, going back to the text, and I believe that's what really Jesus was saying or had in mind when he was saying, if you're going to follow me, you must miseo your father, your mother, your siblings, your children, your wives, Yes, even your own life. Okay, one more story. Forgot. Moses. I gave you three bad stories. I need to end up with a good one. Okay? On verse uh, 27 of Luke. I'll pop that, please. Where it says, yes, even your own life, if you don't misayer your own life and take up your cross, it says you're not worthy. I've given you three bad stories. I want to end you with one good story. There is one I believe, good story that who really did misayo his own life, and that's Moses. And why do I say it's Moses? The role of Moses in the plans of God was to deliver or to what? To get out the nation from another nation and to plant them on another place. That was the plan of God for Moses. When Moses, uh, of course, Moses grew up in the Paris house, and Acts chapter 7, it says that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, he was mighty in words and deeds. That's his background. But after 40 years, he fled Egypt, went to the mountains of Moab. Was it Moab? He went to the mountains, got married there. And then 40 years later, God appeared to him and said, Take your people out of Egypt, for they've been in bondage. And then we have this long discourse and where Moses said, Lord, I don't want I don't want. And many ministers have said that Moses gave four excuses. He gave all the excuses that he can just to get out of that responsibility. Well, I think, yeah, he might have given excuses, but I think what he's really doing is he was counting the costs. Based on uh, Acts chapter 3, or Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 7, what I, which I just said that he was learned in all the wisdoms of the Egyptians. He was mighty. In words and in deed. What does that mean? 
that's a background that tells us that because Moses was brought up in the Paris house, he knew exactly how the Egyptians think. He knew exactly how their government works. He knew exactly how hierarchy in the Egyptians work. I mean, we take a look at Joseph earlier. Joseph was the second man of the country. And in one of the, in, in, in one of the chapters in Genesis, when his brother came up to him, Joseph spoke to those brothers and said, You are spies. And what I say, it is. That is the might of his word. That is the power of the word of Joseph being in authority. So what, what uh, Acts chapter 7 was really saying is that there is an authority that was placed on Moses when he was still in Egypt because he was under the Paris house. And he knows, because he's been there, Moses knows that if I come to Egypt and I ask, the, and I ask Pharaoh and say, release my people, Pharaoh can easily say, who are you? And what do you want? I remember you from our books of history. You were the one that killed one of us. The Pharaoh can easily just say, with the might of his words, say, die, Hebrew. See? Imagination. He can. It's not written in the Bible, I know. Poetic justice, I believe. It's what they call it. Along with the, along with the scriptures. And I believe that's what Moses was going through. Lord, I know if I go back to Egypt, I know the power of the Pharaoh. I can easily get killed. And he tried. I believe Moses tried to persuade God out. But no. But in the end, Moses did what? He misailed his own life. He willingly went before Pharaoh and says, Let my people go, that they may worship the true God. And what happened to Moses in the plans of God? Moses was able to bring the people from Egypt to the land flowing with milk and honey. Correct? So, and, and towards the end of the, the story of the life of Moses in Deuteronomy, God, remember, <laughs> interesting, Moses was, one of, Moses was a very humble man who wrote that, Moses himself, uh, in Deuteronomy, which is really interesting. But along with that, it says that, uh, as Moses wrote the book of Deuteronomy, it says that there has never been a man like Moses before and after who spoke to God face to face like a man would speak to a friend. And that was the reward that I believe that Moses got because he misaved his own life and did exactly the plan of God is to take his brothers and sisters out of a place of bondage to a place of la- or a land flowing with milk and honey. So going back to our scriptures, yes, we know the what. We, I just told you, lordship takes precedence over family. But I think what more importantly is, I think now you know why. Because in the greater plans of God, sometimes our family duty can distract it. It can deter it. It can detour it. And, and as, I, as I said earlier, but God is committed in working out the plans that he has for us more than you and I can ever be committed to. Amen? Amen. So really what Jesus is saying, to follow me, you got to follow me. If you're going to follow me, going back to the crowd, you're going to follow me, then you have to misail. And like what I said, I know it's a difficult thing to do. It's not one that's easy. If you're unsaved and you, you have no good relationship with your parents, probably it is. Like what I said. 
But if you truly, truly believe the plans of God for you, God is saying, yes, love your family, but also love me more than you love your family. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. And Lord, thank you, O God, that that in your words that was written, you said that we can we could learn from them, that we don't have to create we don't have to commit the same mistakes that our forefathers did or our fathers did. And Father, I just pray for us today. If you're here today and that's you, you, you know exactly your position when it comes to family and the Lordship of God. I hope that I have convinced you that yes, Lordship takes precedence, but it doesn't mean to disown your family, but really love your family, but love Jesus more. Allow Him to take that Lordship over your family. I want to pray for you. In fact, I just want to pray for everybody here. Father, I lift us up as a church. And I pray, Father, in these times of decision-making, in these times where we have to make a decision between you and our husband, between you and our wife, between you and our parents, when that decision is difficult, Father, I pray, O Lord, that we would follow through that we would go through, that we would see, Father, beyond the now, but we would see in the greater picture. We would see even and realize that in this plan that you have for us, our family is involved. And I pray, Father, that as a church, may we see, Father, those plans come to life. That when we see that we did, we we put you above our family. I pray, Father, that we would even see the result of it. That we would see the result. And even as you promised that, that if we are saved, you would create a door for our family to come in also. And I speak that over us. For those whose family has been broken. For those who's given their life to Christ. And because of that decision, they've been disowned by their own family. I speak... And in the sound of my voice, I speak that you would restore those times, Father. That according to your promise, you will make a way, an open door, that the gospel will come to their family. And Lord, I thank you that we will come to a place that we would see whole families worshiping you. But in these times of difficulty where we have to misayo our family, we pray that we would be able to stand strong and follow through. In Jesus' name.